Welcome to Misty 101 podcast. We hope that you enjoy this episode of our podcast. Tesco to cut hundreds of jobs as it axes meat, fish and deli counters. Hundreds of jobs will be cut as Tesco has set out its new vision. It is going to scrap meat, fish and deli counters in 317 stores and closes its Jack's discount chain across the UK. Tesco has said it will shut counters across 317 of its supermarkets where there has been the lowest demand for meat, fish and deli counters. It is understood the move will impact hundreds of workers. The retailer has not revealed the exact amount of jobs it will impact. Tesco will shut seven of its 13 Jack's discount stores which will impact on 130 jobs. In 2018, the supermarket giant launched the discount store Jacks to compete with retailers Lidl and Aldi. The six remaining outlets will become Tesco stores. Tesco UK and Republic of Ireland chief executive Jason Tarry said, Our Jacks brand will continue to be sold across Booker and our symbol brands, bringing great value and quality to even more customers. We want to thank our Jacks colleagues for all they have done and taught us. Our priority is to find roles within our wider business for all the colleagues who want to stay with us. Ukraine News, Live, Russia accuses West of wanting war to happen in fierce UN exchange. Russia has accused the West of stoking fears of war and denied it was acting provocatively in a fierce exchange at the UN Security Council. The U.S. argued that Russia's growing military force of more than 100,000 troops along Ukraine's borders was the largest mobilization in Europe in decades, and said it was Russia that is guilty of provocations. The discussions about a threat of war is provocative in and of itself. You are almost calling for this, you want it to happen Russian Ambassador Vasily Nebenzaya said at the meeting. Meanwhile. UK Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said new powers to sanction individuals linked to the Russian state in response to its aggression towards Ukraine will include the ability to freeze their assets and deny them entry to Britain. Describing the new sanctions regime as severe, Ms Truss said that we will make sure that those who share responsibility for the Kremlin's aggressive and destabilizing action will share in bearing a heavy cost. Key Points UK Prime Minister, Russia faces bitter and bloody resistance. Kremlin says sanctions will inflame tensions and hurt UK economy. London threatens Moscow with economic penalties. UK government outlines new sanctions regime for those linked to Kremlin. US receives written response from Russia on its de-escalation proposal. U.S. and U.K. diplomats detail Russian troop build-up at U.N. Security Council session. Ukraine launches tourism campaign amid tensions. Ukraine's tourism board is encouraging visitors to keep calm and visit Ukraine, despite the looming threat of a Russian invasion. More than 100,000 Russian troops have gathered close to the border of Europe's second-largest country. However. A recent statement from the Visit Ukraine campaign states that there is no reason to panic, and that the situation on the Ukrainian border remains under control. 
Keep calm and visit Ukraine says tourism campaign despite threat of invasion. Sacrificing Ukraine would be disastrous for the West, MPs told. Sacrificing Ukraine amid the ongoing tensions with Russia would be a disastrous move for the West, a defense expert has told MPs. However, the professor of strategic studies said Vladimir Putin may have miscalculated in his understanding of international support for Kiev. Bomb shelters, guerrilla war, building Ukraine's resistance. The table tennis coach, the chaplain's wife, the dentist and the firebrand nationalist have little in common except a desire to defend their hometown and a sometimes halting effort to speak Ukrainian instead of Russian. The situation in Kharkiv just 40 kilometers from some of the tens of thousands of Russian troops massed at the border of Ukraine, feels particularly perilous. Ukraine's second largest city is one of its industrial centers and includes two factories that restore old Soviet-era tanks or build new ones. PM urges Putin to avoid bloodshed. Ahead of his visit to Ukraine, the Prime Minister urged Russia to avoid bloodshed as he vowed to support Ukraine's sovereignty. It is the right of every Ukrainian to determine how they are governed. As a friend and a democratic partner, the UK will continue to uphold Ukraine's sovereignty in the face of those who seek to destroy it Mr Johnson said. We urge Russia to step back and engage in dialogue to find a diplomatic resolution and avoid further bloodshed. Boris Johnson is to hold discussions with Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky in a visit to the country today. The Prime Minister, who will be accompanied by Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, will promise to uphold Ukraine's sovereignty amid mounting tensions with Russia. But he may turn up without having spoken to Vladimir Putin after the domestic scandal over illegal parties forced him to reschedule a planned phone call with the Russian leader. Boris Johnson will reaffirm his support for Ukraine with £88 million of aid for the country as he urged Russia to avoid further bloodshed. The Prime Minister will meet with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky on Tuesday, and has committed money from the UK's Good Governance Fund to help support stable governance and energy independence. As well as supporting transparency and anti-corruption initiatives. Some of the £88 million announced will go towards efforts to reduce Ukraine's reliance on Russian energy supplies. American and British diplomats on Monday warned the UN Security Council that Russia could do grave damage to the international order that has underpinned global stability since the end of the Second World War if it does not take actions to de-escalate the crisis it precipitated by deploying more than 100,000 troops along its border with Ukraine the meeting of the 15-nation body, which was requested by the US last week, ended without any actions but saw American and Russian diplomats trade barbs. And accusations over the nature of the Russian troop build-up, which for months has threatened to expand a simmering conflict that began when Russian forces illegally annexed Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula in 2014. The United States has received a written response from Russia to the proposal it sent on de-escalating Ukraine border tensions, officials said. On Monday, 
a senior State Department official and a State Department spokesperson confirmed that they received a written follow-up from Russia in a statement, according to U.S. media reports. It would be unproductive to negotiate in public, so we'll leave it up to Russia if they want to discuss their response the spokesperson said. We remain fully committed to dialogue to address these issues and will continue to consult closely with our allies and partners, including Ukraine. The letter comes ahead of a Tuesday phone call between Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Boris Johnson will travel to Kiev today for crisis talks with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky amid continuing fears over Russia's military buildup. Downing Street said on Monday. The Prime Minister's visit on Tuesday, accompanied by Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, marks a further ratcheting up of diplomatic activity as the West seeks to convince Moscow that any military incursion against its neighbor will come at a high price. The U.S. State Department ordered the departure of U.S. government employees and their families from the U.S. Embassy in Belarus on Monday citing the unusual and concerning Russian military build-up along Belarus' border with Ukraine. Due to an increase in unusual and concerning Russian military activity near the border with Ukraine, U.S. citizens located in or considering travel to Belarus should be aware that the situation is unpredictable and there is heightened tension in the region a security alert issued on Monday said. The U.S. government's ability to provide routine or emergency services to U.S. citizens in Belarus is already severely limited due to Belarusian government limitations on U.S. embassy staffing. The U.S. already has a reduced presence in Belarus due to restrictions imposed by the government of Alexander Lukashenko. The advisory comes a week after a similar effort was made to call officials out of Kyiv due to the continued threat of Russian military action prompting the Ukrainian government to accuse the US of causing a panic over the threat of a possible Russian invasion. Boris Johnson's planned call with Vladimir Putin was cancelled yesterday because of a clash of timetables after the Sue Gray report into lockdown parties in Downing Street was published. Mr. Johnson said he would speak with his Russian counterpart as soon as I can. Now the call is expected on Tuesday. The UKPM's spokesman has said. Joe Biden has said the US is ready for any scenario given Russia's continuing build-up of troops along the Ukraine border. The US president said he had productive talks last week with Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky and is continuing to engage in diplomacy aimed at ratcheting down tensions. We continue to engage in non-stop diplomacy and to de-escalate tensions Mr Biden told reporters in the Oval Office while meeting with Qatar's Emir, Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani. We continue to urge diplomacy as the best way forward. But with Russia's continuing its build-up of its forces around Ukraine, we are ready no matter what happens. The U.S. State Department has said it has been regularly messaging Americans in Ukraine, strongly urging them to leave the country amid continued tensions and the threat of a Russian invasion. Officials said there was an estimated 6,600 U.S. citizens in Ukraine in October. That number does not include tourists and other visitors. 
that figure is believed to be much lower now given the deteriorating situation there. Russia has sent 5,000 troops into Belarus with plans for more in coming weeks, the White House said on Monday outlining what it said was the ongoing threat Moscow posed to Ukraine. We feel it's important to be open and candid about the threat from Russia White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki told reporters at a news briefing, pointing to thousands of other Russian troops near the Russia-Ukraine border. It's dangerous she added. We have been saying for more than a week that Russia could invade any time. Russian President Vladimir Putin and French counterpart Emmanuel Macron discussed Ukraine again in a second phone call in just over three days, the Kremlin said on Monday. It said in a statement that both leaders have also exchanged views on Russia-proposed security guarantees. They also agreed to consider a meeting in person. On Friday. Mr. Putin told Mr. Macron that the United States and NATO's responses to Russian proposals on security did not address Moscow's principal concerns. Mr. Putin also said he did not want the situation near Ukraine to escalate. Boris Johnson is yet to speak to Mr. Putin on the issue after his phone call was cancelled while the PM was forced to handle the report into lockdown parties at his flat and other locations in Downing Street and elsewhere. The UK is facing its own Cuban missile crisis, a former minister warned, as he called for Britain to lead a military alliance to defend Ukraine. Conservative former Defence Minister Tobias Elwood said, my concern is that Western tactical responses are actually playing into Putin's own strategy. In a question to the Foreign Secretary, he added, would she agree the only way to halt an invasion and check this dangerous trajectory is to support Ukraine militarily? This is our Cuban Missile Crisis. I would encourage Britain to lead the call to deploy an offensive alliance and stand up to Putin's aggression. Liz Truss replied, we have to be clear that there is a difference between a member of NATO who does have a security guarantee, such as Baltic states like Estonia where UK troops are in place, and the situation in Ukraine. In my view the best way of deterring Vladimir Putin from an invasion of Ukraine is first of all making it very clear that this will not be simple or easy, this is likely to result in quagmire. Dirty money in London should be tackled to stop funding Russian backers, ministers have heard. Conservative MP Tom Tujangda told the Commons, the need to clean up the dirty money in our economy is not just about doing the right thing and standing up alongside the people of Ukraine, it is about standing up for the British people, defending ourselves against the corruption that flows through our system making sure that our houses are homes and not being exploited to pay murderers on behalf of a dictator. The strongest thing we can do to defend Ukraine is to defend ourselves against filth and corruption in our city. Liz Truss replied, as I have said, we will be bringing forward the economic crime bill to add to the work we are already doing to tackle illicit finance. Foreign Secretary Liz Truss has announced new legislation in Parliament to toughen and expand the UK's sanctions regime in response to Russia's aggression against Ukraine. Ms Truss said the powers would go further than ever before. Until now, 
the UK has only been able to sanction those linked to the destabilization of Ukraine. The new approach will mean a much broader range of individuals and businesses can be sanctioned due to their significance to the Kremlin. Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said, whether you support Russia's aggressive actions against Ukraine, or you're of wider significance to the Kremlin, we will have the power to sanction you. Nothing is off the table and there will be nowhere to hide. This will amount to the toughest sanctions regime against Russia we have had in place yet, and mark the biggest change in our approach since leaving the European Union. New powers to sanction individuals linked to the Russian state will include the ability to freeze their assets and deny them entry to Britain. Their assets in the UK will be frozen. No UK business or individual would be able to transact with them. And should they seek to enter the UK, they would be turned back she said. Liz Truss is to visit Moscow in the next fortnight in an effort to pursue diplomacy as well as threats of sanctions against the Kremlin. We are combining dialogues with deterrence she says. The UK Foreign Secretary, Liz Truss, is making a statement to MPs now on the Ukraine crisis. She said, Moscow's malign intent is clear. They have massed over 100,00 troops on Ukraine's frontier. Russian forces are continuing to arrive in Belarus. It is only eight years since Russia illegally annexed Crimea, so we know the danger is real. They have been pursuing a campaign of hybrid warfare aimed at destabilizing the country. Will Boris Johnson resign? Boris Johnson is facing the most politically perilous moment of his premiership as his involvement in a series of no-ten-drinks parties held in the midst of England's lockdowns to combat the coronavirus remains the subject of intense scrutiny. Whitehall Mandarin Sue Gray has now delivered her long-delayed report on the parties to the Prime Minister and a version of it has been released, albeit heavily redacted at the request of the Metropolitan Police still carrying out an investigation of its own. Ms Gray's 12-page update on the Partygate scandal blasted failures of leadership and judgment in Downing Street and the Cabinet Office, describing the behaviour of some personnel as difficult to justify. The report considered a total of 16 separate social events at the PM's Westminster residence and other government departments that took place while Covid regulations imposed strict limits on gatherings anywhere in the UK. In a scathing comment on the culture at No 10 under Mr Johnson's leadership, the senior civil servant wrote, some of the gatherings in question represent a serious failure to observe not just the high standards expected of those working at the heart of government but also of the standards expected of the entire British population at the time. Her report also revealed that Mr Johnson's birthday celebration is among a dozen gatherings being investigated by Scotland Yard, as is an alleged party in the Prime Minister's private flat. Addressing the House of Commons on Monday afternoon, the PM said he accepts Sue Gray's general findings in full and above all her recommendation that we must learn from these events and act now. He said he was sorry for the things we simply didn't get right and also sorry for the way that this matter has been handled. I get it, and I will fix it he added.
I want to say to the people of this country I know what the issue is. It is whether this government can be trusted to deliver, and I say yes we can be trusted to deliver. Having initially said in December he was sickened at the prospect of Downing Street employees ignoring social restrictions at events reported to have taken place in May, November and December, 2020, the PM found himself sidestepping questions about whether he too had attended an event on 20 May after an explosive leaked email provided evidence that over 100 staff were invited to attend the bash and bring your own booze. No ten stone-walled questions over that party, pointing to Ms. Gray's then-active investigation, but anger only grew among Tory MPs and conservative-leaning newspapers. Finally, at Prime Minister's questions in the House of Commons at high noon on Wednesday 12 January, Mr. Johnson did address the issue, confirming that he had attended the garden gathering for around 25 minutes with the intention of thanking his staff for their efforts during the pandemic while claiming, somewhat improbably, I believed implicitly that it was a work event. He apologised, expressed empathy for the public fury in light of the personal sacrifices millions had made and likewise implored his critics to await the outcome of Ms. Gray's inquiry before passing judgment. That cut little ice with opposition leader Sir Keir Starmer who described the Prime Minister as a pathetic spectacle of a man who has run out of road and without shame, derided his me culpa as worthless following months of deceit and deception and called on him to resign, the seething disdain in his voice drawing chuckles of laughter from across Parliament while members of Mr Johnson's front bench sat stone-faced behind their Covid masks. Why does he think the rules do not apply to him, Commissar Keir asked, incredulous, voicing the thoughts of millions. Both Liberal Democrat leader Sir Ed Davey and Ian Blackford, the Scottish National Party leader in the Commons, in turn called on Mr Johnson to do the decent thing and resign. Support for the embattled Prime Minister subsequently trickled in from Cabinet colleagues and potential leadership challengers like Deputy PM Dominic Raab, Chancellor Rishi Sunak and Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, without a great deal of enthusiasm evident. Since then, news of more parties has emerged to add to the total, including two separate events on 16 April, 2021, the evening before Prince Philip's funeral when the Queen sat alone in accordance with strict Covid rules as she bade farewell to her husband of 73 years. Both events are said to have been leaving parties for staff working in the Prime Minister's inner team, with wild tales told of excessive alcohol being drunk, attendees dancing to music DJD by a special advisor beyond midnight and a staffer being sent out to the local branch of co-op to fill a suitcase with bottles of wine. As further details were leaked to the newspapers in dribs and drabs, Mr Johnson invited further exasperated ridicule when he told Sky News during a hospital visit on Tuesday 18 January. I can't believe we would have gone ahead with an event that people said was against the rules. Nobody warned me it was against the rules, I am categorical about that I would have remembered that. After news of a 16th and final party, 
the aforementioned gathering to celebrate Mr. Johnson's birthday, emerged. The Met announced its investigation, prompting the delay of Ms. Gray's report as Scotland Yard requested that sensitive details pertaining to its own areas of inquiry be removed. We now know that the Met has over 300 photographs and 500 statements collected by the civil servant in its possession. Prior to those final outrageous twists in the saga, a poll found that two-thirds of the public, 66%, believed the PM should resign over his role in the parties. But will Boris Johnson go? The calls for him to step aside have been deafening. Douglas Ross, the Scottish Conservative leader, warned, if he, the PM, has breached his own guidance, if he has not been truthful then it is an extremely important issue. If the Prime Minister has misled Parliament, then he must resign. Despite Tory MP Jacob Rees-Mogg's astonishing dismissal of Mr Ross as a lightweight figure during an interview with the BBC's Newsnight, his comments stand as a damning indictment of Mr Johnson's wayward leadership. Subsequent condemnation from Mr Johnson's predecessor, Theresa May, and other senior Tories like Andrew Mitchell in the wake of Ms Gray's report being made public have only ramped up the pressure. But the PM and his apologists like Culture Minister Nadine Dorries have continued to reach for the increasingly farcical defence that he cannot comment on the allegations until all inquiries have concluded shifting their emphasis from the civil servant to the Met. The reaction of Tory backbenchers to Ms Gray's findings will be crucial in determining whether he can ride out the scandal or be forced to face the music. Before that heated Prime Minister's questions session at which Mr Johnson admitted his presence at the, the 20th of May gathering, backbench Conservative MP Nigel Mills said his position would be untenable and it would be a resigning matter if he was found to have been in attendance. Clearly not. Any frequent observer of the Johnson administration will point to this PM's reluctance to sack his own ministers for breaches of the ministerial code, with Matt Hancock's departure as health secretary last summer a rare exception. There are many different paths towards a potential resignation for Mr Johnson, but just two years after winning a thumping majority at a general election, he is unlikely to resign on his own accord. As conservative commentators have previously highlighted, the party has a brutal record of deposing of leaders it no longer sees an electoral asset and a forced exit is the most likely route for any resignation. Either the cabinet could launch a full-scale revolt with senior ministers telling the PM to stand down, perhaps unlikely, or 15% of the Conservative Party's MPs could submit letters of no confidence in the Prime Minister to Sir Graham Brady, the chair of the influential 1922 Committee of Backbench Tories. The number of letters submitted at any given point is a closely guarded secret by Sir Graham but, if the required number is reached, it would trigger a vote of confidence in Mr Johnson and his premiership would be on the line. Ms May, whose premiership was dealt a terminal blow by her ill-fated election gamble, survived a confidence vote in December 2018 but eventually resigned six months later. For the time being, however, 
Mr. Johnson's allies are adamant he is going nowhere, with a minister insisting, the Prime Minister retains the confidence of the people of this country and he did so two years ago with the biggest majority in decades. Thousands of British gas customers can get £750 free to help with soaring energy bills. Thousands of British gas customers may be eligible to receive up to £750 toward the cost of their energy bills through a new hardship fund. The amount is designed to help families shoulder the cost of skyrocketing gas and electric bills as the UK continues to grapple against a cost-of-living crisis. British Gas launched the support in December, where it pledged £2 million to the most struggling households. The energy giant confirmed to the Mirror that it has so far distributed 493 grants totaling £251,000, meaning there is still £1.75 million left in the pot. Customers can apply for grants of between £250 and £750 to write off chunks of debt. British Gas says the average payout per grant so far has been £510. Here we explain how it works. British Gas has a list of eligibility criteria that you must meet in order to apply for help through its winter fund. You must be looking to clear energy debt between £250 and £750 and you cannot have savings worth more than £1,000 to be considered for the grant. Successful applicants must also live in England, Scotland or Wales and be applying for help against an account in your name or for your household. Finally, you must also be considered to be living in fuel poverty, this is where your energy bills are above average and, once paid, would leave you with income below the poverty line. British Gas will require proof of your circumstances when you apply for the grant. This will include evidence of all your household income and a meter reading for your energy account. British Gas customers can apply to the fund online and the support will be open until March 2022 or when the £2 million funding runs out. You can only apply if you're a British Gas customer. If you're with another energy supplier and you're struggling, you should contact them directly to see what help they can offer you. For example, you may be able to claim £140 toward your energy bills if you're eligible for the Warm Home Discount Scheme. The money is not paid to you as a cash sum, instead, it is normally sent directly to your energy supplier, who will then apply the discount to your bills. Or if you have a prepayment meter, you will be sent a £140 voucher that can be used to top up your meter. The discount is applied between October and March. To qualify for the Warm Home Discount Scheme, you must fall either get the guarantee credit element of pension credit or be on a low income. The sixth mass extinction may be sooner than we thought. The fifth mass extinction occurred 65 million years ago, when an asteroid wiped off the dinosaurs from the face of the Earth. Now scientists fear that the sixth extinction might have already begun. 
a team led by Professor Robert Cowie, from the University of Hawaii, argues in a study published by Biological Reviews that it seems increasingly likely that we're in the early stages of a new mass extinction. Denying it is simply flying in the face of the mountain of data that is rapidly accumulating, and there is no longer room for skepticism, wondering whether it really is happening argues the study, as quoted by news website Vice. A mass extinction occurs when around 70% of animal and plant life cease to exist. In other words, it's a global catastrophe where biodiversity and the ecosystem are up for grabs. Cowie's study focuses on invertebrate animals, specifically mollusks. The team behind the study considers that the International Union for Conservation of Nature provides disproportionate attention given to vertebrates, such as birds and mammals. Animal Diversity The International Union for Conservation of Nature has not evaluated any but a tiny, Tiny the Anthropocene so far remains hypothetical. Some claim that it began when humans developed agriculture, 12,000 to 15,000 years ago. Other experts place the Anthropocene hand in hand with the Great Acceleration, the astounding rate of human growth and resource consumption that took off after World War II. Fraction of invertebrates such as insects and snails and spiders and crustaceans, which constitute 95% of animal diversity Cowie told Vice. Since 1500. The study made by Cowie and his team indicates that something around 7.5% to 13% of species has disappeared since 1500, which suggests that we're heading towards mass extinction. If we're indeed heading towards the sixth mass extinction, it would be the first that we know of caused by the intervention of a species. In this case, humans. In fact, the human effect on the environment is so intense that many scientists posit that we live in a new geological epoch, the Anthropocene, which began when humans started to meaningfully impact Earth's geology and ecosystems. In other words, the world in which our grandparents were born is completely different from the world we live in now. A good example of the incoming sixth mass extinction is the disappearance of bees and butterflies around the globe. According to The Guardian, the bumblebee population in Europe and North America has declined over 30% in the span of a single generation, which points to mass extinction. The collapse of the bumblebee population also affects humans. The bees are not only responsible for honey, but also pollinate crops such as tomatoes or berries. Without them, less food is produced. Meanwhile, National Geographic reports that over 450 species of butterflies in the U.S. Southwest are also disappearing. Butterflies are also crucial to pollinate many plants and flowers, affecting the food chain and the entire ecosystem. The main culprit for the decline of bees and butterflies is warmer environments, caused by climate change. The rising temperatures turn the previous home of these species into something inhospitable. That's not even taking into account the inordinate use of land and raw materials 
affecting or outright destroying whole ecosystems. The damage humans have made to the planet has proven to be irreversible. The most worrying part is that, despite endless initiatives and summits with the best intentions, it continues to this day. Meanwhile, time is running out to still maintain the precious balance that has enabled humanity to live for thousands of years. Once we have lost that balance, who knows what challenges will face the next generation. We hope that you have enjoyed our podcast. We thank you for your support. We hope to see you again next time.